What's up, guys? We're back with another episode of the Black Box Podcast. I'm your host, Ahmed. And I'm your host, John. And, and ooh. ooh, that was we synced up right there. But uh, I'll let you take it away. Um, yeah, so this time we got another interview. I feel like we're really vibing with the interviews. We get some other opinions in here and just chop it up about random things. But this time we have Chuck or Charles DeLuca. He is also from my hometown. And he's also into investing, passive income, crypto, all that stuff. So we're basically just going to talk about what he does, what he's into, and just share some ideas and throw some stuff around. So I think it should be fun. Yeah. And as you can tell uh, from our intro, we are both very excited for this week's topic. So (laughs) let's dive right in. All right. Let's get to it. Okay, wait, so let me continue what I was going to say first, then we could, you know, go on a different path. But you were talking about investing in art too. Do you guys know what masterworks.io is? No. I don't actually. It's a website that lets you buy fractions of famous paintings that the company has like brought into their inventory. And then they do an offering basically. And then they they hold it for they they do an offering so you can buy shares technically, and then they'll try to hold it for a few years and then sell it and then you get some proceeds from that. So you're getting a piece of a piece of one piece of art. Yeah, but you can do it for multiple pieces too. Okay, but you're not getting... Like basically, the they'll buy a painting that they've done research on and like the price that they they bought it for. And then they'll basically do an offering for shares for anyone that wants to buy. And then they'll try to resell it for the price that they are looking to get in appreciation based on the percent appreciation. Does that make sense? They'll do that multiple times with multiple paintings at a time. That's no, that's interesting. So, like, when they sell a piece of art, does that automatically sell your share? Yeah, yeah. But, okay. But so then you reap whatever gains. I think you could also trade the shares interim, but I don't think many people do. I think it's like hold thing. But the yeah. price of your share appreciates. It's for people that want to get into long term art holding as an investment, a diversified investment way. Yeah, so just like one of many different types of investments that a person but don't have have. millions of dollars to buy an expensive painting. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. I mean I don't know exactly how like what like profit margins would be on something like that, but it's definitely like just another alternative way to like have passive income or um, I guess I guess maybe not passive income, but it's another way to invest your money. Yeah, that's more of a long game, so I don't so know exactly know, passive income, but I know with art, like right now you can buy a a picture of like let's say uh Van Gogh, but the way they print it is actually like the picture. It looks like the real picture, but it has a number on it of how many copies were made and that's what gives it its value. 
kind of like an NFT. Yeah, so you know how there's the farther you go from number one, the less expensive it is. Yeah, you want to get that number one or sub 10 kind of. So that's how it used to be Well, with with physical art is they would actually number it on the bottom corner and that's what gave it its value. And would they rate it and how well that time it was done, it was painted? Yeah, well, they'd rate it by how it was printed, how it was copied. Yeah, and yeah, 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 that's what I mean. Because, yeah, yeah. How, the quality of the print, like how when they grade a Pokemon card or a baseball card, it's like, how symmetrical is it? And does it, is it really slanted to the right a little bit? Or is there some discoloring in this spot or whatever? And that may even give it more value. Depending on the reason why. Yeah, like some pennies, like some pennies are worth $1,000 because it has a... Uh, the year and... On it. Yeah. But masterworks.io, I got to check that out. Yeah, it's cool. I bought into one. This is a little diversification. I definitely got to check it out. Was it that expensive or is it like for the everyday person? Uh, to get into any of the paintings, you have to put initially in a thousand, but then it's up to you if you want to put more than that. Okay. So just a minimum of a thousand for just enter each painting or each piece of art. So, but you can buy a thousand and twenty dollars worth, a thousand and fifty, a thousand and five hundred, but it just has to be minimum a thousand. Oh, okay. I get it. So you have to have a minimum amount of shares for a thousand dollars and then you can buy more shares if you you like. Yep. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Take a look. Yeah. Okay. I guess before we dive into some other talking points, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Can you talk about what you do? Oh, uh, yeah. My name's Charles DeLuca. I'm, I work for a direct mail marketing company. I basically, uh, advertise to people and get people's names for other people to advertise to. So you can come to me and get people's names to advertise to, or I can sell your mailing list or your list of buyers. So like if you have a product and however many people bought it, I can find someone that has a similar product, but is not competitive and wants to use your list of names to advertise to. And it's just another form of income for you. And these people will come back every month to rent your mailing list. Okay, so basically you're using data to match people up to the proper sellers, the proper buyers to the proper sellers or based on what the sellers are looking for? Exactly. It's it's just an old way of cookies. It's been around since the 80s. Gotcha. And when did you start that? Right after high school? And yeah, high school? right after high school. Pretty much jumped into it. My family's been doing it. Uh, my whole mom's side 
has been doing it since they were in their teen years. And oh wow, yeah, they pretty much know everything. So and they know people. So that's usually part of the game. Yeah, better than starting from scratch. Yeah. So I've actually seen some people with their own mailing lists with just stacks of papers up to the ceiling. And it's just a mess. You don't even want to like dive into that because it's to find someone like, let's say you wanted to find a male that makes under a hundred thousand dollars a year to filter that out of a small company that doesn't really have their data set up correctly is going to be a nightmare. Yeah. Cause you're doing it all manually. Yeah. So you want to find a, a decent sized company that actually manages their data through like, um, uh, what's that name? Uh, like the meta and, that uh, there's one company out in Silicon Valley that that does it. It's uh, shit. I forgot. Uh, I'll think about it later. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so you introduce yourself a bit. Told us about yourself. So let's get into, I guess, what we really are here for. Uh, just investing and stuff. So what kind of what are your main methods of investing? Do you have do you have any passive income, or are you planning to try to obtain assets that provide that? Well, I'm mostly looking into real estate right now, but since prices are so high, I'm definitely not going to jump in right now, especially for a first home. Um, I would like to do it the safe way of starting an escort and then buying a house. Or a duplex. Uh, duplex. Yeah. But I've found out that I need to put down at least 20%. If you're going to plan to rent it out, yeah. Under a corporation. If anyone knows any way to get around that, let me know, but I have not found one. Um, I, I don't know of any. And then, apart from that, the other thing I was looking at was renting out RVs. So there's this contrarian capitalism. So there's this website called RV share and you can actually buy an RV and then rent it out to whoever wants to use it. Really? You you could get an RV for like, let's say 40 something thousand dollars. You finance it and then you rent it out for like $200 a day. And then it's just math on the ROI from that. I say you, you, you can it. rent it out most of them of a month. Yeah, you could probably pay it back. You probably pay it off within a year or two. Yeah, on how yeah, much yeah. you rent it out for. Um, I think that's the second best thing apart from a house. And then, other than passive income like that there's always there's always bonds there's always um 
indexes, but you're always taking chances with that. And bonds are barely paying anything right now. Yeah. Are you, you own some of that stuff? I own a little bonds, but um, not many. Cause it's Do you have only, like a retirement account? Or? Yeah. They, uh, they only pay, what is it? Like 0.15% right now. Yeah. I, I don't have any bonds. Yeah. So it's kind of to lock up your money and not have a risk on it because the government's always going to pay. It may not be worth what you put in. Yeah, yeah. But but they will pay. Um, apart from that, I can't really think of any other. Well, passive, there is that. Uh, I set up that Ethereum miner. Once I make my money back from buying the graphics cards, then it would be passive income. But right now it's just a sitting liability, especially if Ethereum goes to 2.0 and then no one needs to mine it anymore. And that's you would what, just have to find another cryptocurrency to mine, right? Yeah, but you should mine and stake, mine and stake, find something that gives you a decent return. Yeah, definitely stake. Staking's the new thing. Just mine it and then stake it because then you're double compounding. Yeah, so um, there's a minimum on how much you could take out after you mine it. So you have to take out at least like 0.1 Ethereum before you can, you have to mine 0.1 Ethereum before you could even take it out. Oh, really? Yeah. So you're kind of stuck there for, let's say, however big your rig is, it could be a week, it could be a month, it could be three months, six months, blah, blah, blah. And then you could take it out and you could stake it. I'm just trying to get as much as I can before they upgrade to 2.0 and then I'll stake then I'll stake it but from what I hear right now I think it's a minimum of like 6 ethereum you need to stake oh yeah there's like a minimum requirement yeah. you have to be somewhat involved in the project for them to let you actually stake it yeah and I mean I don't know about you but I don't have 6 ethereum no not right now yeah, so hopefully they open it up to like the normal person, but I think it's going to be whoever's been in it for so long. And people that have been running miners cuz there've been people running Yeah, there there are random there are people that have thousands in random places. Oh yeah. Of Ethereum and Bitcoin. Yeah. These people have been I mean, everyone was calling them crazy before, but they've been doing something right. Now they're they're so rich beyond fathomability. Like, it's hard to even comprehend how much money they have. It actually is insane. And then you have some people that are like, I had some years ago that are trying to find it. Like, I had a Coinbase back in 2017 in that first run up. And now I can't. Get back into my account. Yeah, I can't even find my account. That would be rough. But I guess what's even more rough is not being in it at all. No, I I bought in at 18, 17, 18. What'd you get in Ethereum at? Uh, 
bro, I was in at two hundred dollars and sold. I think I was it, in at four hundred or five hundred. But yeah, I mean, I remember you telling me you had some a bunch of two hundred or a few. Yeah, I had I think two and a half Ethereum at two hundred dollars and sold it when it hit two fifty. Wow, and it, it happens. It really happens. It happens to me too. Like I, I was saying to John before, I had fifty three shares of um, GameStop at seventeen dollars before it ran up to five hundred. I think I sold it. Um, so I bought it at seventeen dollars. I think I sold it when it hit like thirty bucks. Oh my god! But. I came to find out it could have made like a half a million dollars or something. Yep. It's nuts. That's so fucked. I feel like everybody has at least one of those stories. In this market, but this used to not be the case. This is like new. It People all, that have been around trading for a while are like, dude, this shit is a fucking like simulation. It's a mania. That's what it is. That's an absolute mania. Especially, do, do you think crypto sees uh, goes higher after today's dip, or what do you think about that? Does that scare you at all? I think crypto is not going to stop. I don't. Um, th- I think it's too big to stop at this point. I think it's too big to stop, but I think the media. Every time I watch the news, they tell you to buy at the high, and then. They totally forget about it. I remember on like CNBC, they had a big Bitcoin thing when when it hit that first high of, I think it was 60, 62,000 and then it dropped down to 33. Yeah. Yeah. They were telling you to buy at 60 something thousand. Then it dropped down to 33. You didn't even hear anything. And once it started pumping back up to... Like the 50s. 50s. Then they're like, buy again. Yeah, then they're like, buy again. So and You should have been buying at 30. I don't even listen to the media at all. It's kind of like. No, I don't. If I like the project, I invest in it, and I'm just holding. I Some people say I'm, I'm going to be the bag holder, and uh, when all this goes down, I'm going to lose all my money. Fuck it. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. That's why I bought one of those ledgers. You have to expose yourself to a lot of risk. Yeah, a ledger X or S? Uh, I just got the S. I have the S too. Yeah, so I just put I put some Algorand in it, some XRP, and some Ethereum in it, and it's just been sitting there. Are you staking it? I'm staking Algo and, and nothing else. Gotcha. Yeah, I think I... Then I'm going to look into Alga. But yeah, I actually. I would say if Alga yeah. drops below like $1.50, I'd get in. Yeah, I'm going to keep looking at the chart. The chart looks like it's due for a little cup formation. A little dip and rip. Yeah, it looks, like it, it looks like it just keeps doing that. It goes parabolic and then slams back down. Uh, like, but like slightly low, exactly. slightly higher than before. It's like yeah. lower highs or higher lows and higher highs. Yeah. So it comes back down to like the middle and then starts going back up again. But it, it has these parabolic spikes. I see a lot of crypto has. It's not like a, if you look at the stock market, 
a lot of stocks go up, go up in like a smooth, a nice smooth pattern going to the top corner, the top right corner. Yep. While crypto is like, you could get in at three cents and then tomorrow it jumps up to a dollar. And then it comes pe- enough people saw it like it actually because at that point you're not bringing attention to that particular like stock or coin you're actually bringing people over to that project like you know what i mean like people are coming and now seeing this entirely new thing yeah definitely it's you can definitely look at technicals the same way especially for the bigger coins like Bitcoin, yeah. But, but the smaller ones, I, I mean it more for the smaller ones. Like that's people literally buying in and finding out that this exists. Yeah, that's that's what I think. Uh, well, if you look at like HBAR, Hedera, Hashgraph, it, it's been going up in a nice smooth pattern. It did have a blow off top to 57 cents from 17 cents. And now... It came back down to 44, but it looks like it's it's having a nice pattern going up. I was looking at it. Maybe <clears throat> maybe I'll take a look at that as well. You can yeah, get that on KuCoin. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, KuCoin. Um, but one hell of a, of a project that is. I definitely want to learn more about the uh, the advantages over Ethereum. I'm, I'm telling you, it's the new big thing. You think it's just people haven't found out about it yet or enough people? I don't think enough people have found out about it because, you know, there's no real like use case yet. Like, you know how if you want to go buy like an NFT on OpenSea? You have to use Ethereum right you now. Or you could, there's a couple others, but most people aren't tr- accepting that form of payment anyway. And then it's like if I want to send, I want to send over like a hundred bucks, it's going to cost me like 70 bucks to send over a hundred. And I just don't see that being sustainable for anyone. Why would anyone want to use that? Really that high? Yeah. So I sent over Ethereum today. It was like $400 in Ethereum and it cost me seven seventy bucks in gas fees. OD. Ridiculous. But if we're looking at Hedera, it probably would have cost me like four cents. Not even. Less than that. Yeah, less than that. That's insane. And it would have been in my account within five seconds and not. On Ethereum, you're like, yeah, but Ethereum 2.0, when they implement all their features and shit, I think they might be also implementing sharding as well. I think there'll be an entirely different blockchain. Proof of stake should save the gas situation. Now, sharding is when they fork, right? It's like you fork the chain into multiple into two instances. Chains. Yeah. And so it can each, handle twice as many or something like that. Each chain has its own, is being ran by its own staking. I believe so. Or are they powered together collectively? Ahmed, how you doing over there? I'm... Uh, I'm waiting to bring in a new topic that I've been thinking about. Any, do we want to yeah, close hey, any hey. comments on this? You jump into it. You got it? All right. Um, 
I guess another another form of investing that we haven't mentioned yet this week, but it's like I feel like it's all over Instagram and like other social medias is um buying properties and then rather than renting them to tenants or anything like that, you use Airbnb and have your uh arbitrage. Yeah. So you like you'll be making weekly or even sometimes daily revenue. And uh, some of the numbers that I've seen on like random people's uh, on their like stories or whatever is crazy. Like they make like 80,000 a month and it's like, yeah, I don't even have a job. So I wanted to. Oh, yeah. Sorry. When I said arbitrage too, that's when you like rent an an apartment or home or building from someone else and then you put it on Airbnb. But what you're talking about is just putting it on Airbnb. Yeah. I mean, even arbitrage is, it's like a pretty sound idea. Like if you think about it, you pay. Obviously fixed... you have to make sure that they're on board with you doing that. The people. That yeah. Yeah. Board. Like if you get some fixed, like you'll pay a fixed monthly rent. Right. And I'm, I'm sure like depending on how, how much the rent is, how nice the place is, all of those kinds of details. If you have people staying for, let's say five nights a month, you'll most likely pay off the rent. And then anything beyond that, um, minus, of course, cleaning fees, Airbnb fees, all of that kind of stuff, everything else you take home with you. So um, what what do you guys think about that? I mean, the only thing that worries me is, is there a contract? Because when you rent something from someone, you have to sign a contract for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. Are you talking about Airbnb, like from Airbnb's end or in terms of of the arbitrage? Yeah, of arbitrage. But um, I feel like that you would have to maybe include that somewhere in the lease that you would be subletting or any, anything like that. I'm, I'm not sure what like the, um, like rules are around it, but I have, I have heard of, um, people making like so, so much money just doing that. Yeah. It's probably got to be factored into the contract, but yeah, no, yeah. that's definitely a, a thing. And it's like, you, it's like drop shipping and shit. People do that, that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you see people like talking about how Miami, Miami is a great city to do Airbnb in because, there are always people visiting Miami. They're always going to need a place to sleep. Hotels are expensive. You get a, like a decent place. You put some like nice photogenic furniture in there, and you'll have people every weekend. You can do the same thing technically with uh, like Toro app yeah. for your car or something like that. Like when we, we went to Miami and rented the car. Yeah, like they like just, what we- they just own multiple nice cars in that area, store them somewhere if it's at their home or they just pay for storage and then they rent it out. Yeah. That, that, guy, that guy made money for driving, dropping off his car to us and getting a ride home. And yeah, like it's, it's like you own something. So now you're just going to let people borrow it like over and over. And eventually those people will pay for your car, your house, your apartment, anything like that. Yeah, so it's kind of like the same thing as I was saying with the RVs. Mm-hmm. It's 
it's all ROI. So you could you could buy a place an Airbnb. You could buy a multi-story home and Airbnb the middle floor and the uh, the top floor you rent out, and then you could have the basement and Airbnb too. Yeah, I feel like with all that, it's location. So like if you have a condo in the city, that's very easy to do. But up in like the country, like Montana. I think it's real hard to uh, to make money there. Yeah, yeah, because I, there's not a lot of tourist kind you of people. Go where the people demand is high, right? Coming in for business or travel or anything like that. Yeah, apparently, apparently Nashville gets a lot of visitors and is like the the real estate in a city like Nashville is relative relatively cheap. I mean, I don't know about right now, but in general, um, when compared to like New York City or Miami or other major like other major cities around the yeah, U.S. It's dirt cheap. Yeah. So you could get like I, I saw a video of some guy who had like five Airbnbs. He manages all of them like basically from your phone. Maybe you'll have to visit a few of the Airbnbs every once in a while, but like you, your job is to like basically be there when people need you and um, just to maintain the place and you get paid for it constantly. So, so do you think he's running this under an escort or do you think he's doing it personally? No, probably an LLC or an escort. Yeah, I, I would, I would guess LLC. I mean, if I, if I was in that position, I would probably uh, use an LLC. Um, but I mean, LLC and S corp are really very similar. What 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 is an S corp? So, from what I've learned about an S corp, is you could actually it might be the same thing with an LLC, but you can actually sell stock in your company. So, like, let's say I had two homes, and and you wanted to buy half of one, I'd sell you stock in my company for however much. But that would actually help me buy a third home. Ooh. Yeah, you'd use the money that they paid up front for the, the ownership of the company. But now they're taking a percentage of your profit. Yeah. Yeah. So you're basically you're It's like when you ask for investors, they give you a bunch of money up front and you give them a percent stake in your company, so all the proceeds or whatever the contract says after that they get. Gotcha. You I mean, that, that's not some of it for. I've heard an S corp is better than an LLC. Yeah, I don't think you could do stock if you're an LLC. S corp sounds better. Yeah, LLC is all about personal protection. Like, yeah. if uh, say you have an Airbnb, like you have a few Airbnbs that you manage. Um, if you have it under an LLC, say something happens, somebody like gets hurt or something, and they want to sue you, then they wouldn't be suing you as an individual. They'd be suing your company. So the way I learned was the um, each home would be an escort, but an LLC would own all the homes, but the escort is renting from the LLC. So you don't have to pay tax. Ooh, I mean, I have I haven't heard of that, but um, 
I mean, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to incentivize tax evasion, but minimizing taxes is always a great thing, right? I don't think anybody really would disagree with that. Well, it would be the S corp gets to write off the rent. Yeah, the rent. Per, yeah, but is, yeah. isn't there a cap on that? I don't know. I think Amazon's doing it, so I have no clue. Oh, word, yeah. And then the LLC actually has no income because it's paying with the rent that it's being paid. It's paying off its debts. Yeah, so it has a net yep. zero. Oh, so you yeah. don't have income tax. So basically, that. yeah, you're basically funneling it through a, a way that's tax-free to another company, but you own all of them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> this is how the rich stay rich. Yep. Oh, gosh. That was, that, was, that was a gem if anyone really holds on to that. <laughs> but it, yeah. it's also a lot of work. Yeah. It's you got to want paperwork and a lot of uh, lawyers. Yep. Damn, that's smart, though. Yeah, shit. So, uh, John, John's taking notes right now. Just give him a second. So am I. <laughs> I hear the note taking. <laughs> what are you writing? I got Airbnb down, set up S Corp through LLC, and. I'm thinking, can this I do is a this? collaborative session as well? Can I do the same thing with that RV share? So I'm, can I make an escort for an RV, but have LLC and LLC own multiple RVs? Have you also heard of, you know, with the buying laundromats and buying trailer park or vending machines, or vending machines? No, but it sounds like a good idea. Laundromats, trailer parks. Trailer parks is you literally own a plot of land, which is cheaper than having a built property. And then you just sell people the spots for people to park their trailers. And you could do that for, you know. Is that for like residential trailer parks or for camping? Or is it both? I guess you could do both. You could do one. I think you could do both. The attempt would be for one or, or ju- just for longer term because that's better. But so at the I same heard, time, you probably take anyone. Oh, I heard there was, um, I was watching a podcast and they were talking about. Well, actually the, the ROI or the just the return or revenue from a one night is probably better long term. If they could do one night, one nighters consistently. They'll probably pay more than just someone renting it for the month because you usually lower the rate per day. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But yeah, sorry, what were you going to say? So I heard about um, in trailer parks, if you park your RV somewhere, and let's say you are staying there for three months, um, the owner would would come over and would plant a tree right next to your RV. And then the roots would actually like grow around the RV, making it so it couldn't move or like a mobile home would make it. So it it couldn't move to trap them there. (laughs) Yeah. And then you'd actually have to buy the land from them. That's what to remove the tree. So you either had to pay to remove the tree 
because it's wrapped around your your mobile home or you have to buy the land from that's fucked up park owner and that's how they get you to either stay there and pay them or or buy the piece of land and then try and sell it try and sell the whole mobile home there to be honest i've never heard of that but that sounds that sounds insane like that's uh like is that is that legal or is this some kind of like legal loophole or it's like oh i'm just planting a tree i'm helping the environment i guess they're not getting caught planting the tree yeah i mean i don't think anyone's gonna say anything if you're just walking around flicking seeds yeah that's wild though yeah everyone's looking uh to screw the little guy. Everyone's trying to hit a lick. Hell yeah. <laughs> Bad. Damn. All right, bro. So uh, I think we might wrap it up here. Good good length pod. Yeah, it was good. Appreciate um, you coming on. We jumped around. We basically covered every kind of investment category and just talked about it a little bit. So I really like that. I think this is a good one. Yeah, it was fun. Uh so I just got Airbnb for the S Corp and LLC. I got laundromats and trailer parks. I was talking about the RV share. I definitely got to check out masterworks.il. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I like it. I definitely like got to check that out. I'm going to check it out right after this. They vet their investors on that too. Like they, I had to do an interview. So did you have to sign a contract? No. Okay, cool. I mean, I did have like terms I agreed to, so technically, yes, I did, but it wasn't like a formal or anything. Yeah, you didn't have to like. It's like it's like an app. It's like a brokerage kind of thing. But all right, cool. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out right after this. Cool. All right, bro. Yeah, we got to keep in touch about this stuff. All right, cool. I had fun. So did I. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. All right, have a good one. You too, guys. Peace. As always, thank you for tuning in to the Black Box Podcast. Um, I think uh, I think we're really finding our groove right now, and um, with the interviews having all of our like esteemed guests on, I think we're both enjoying it, and I hope you guys are too. Um, John, would you mind plugging our social media this time? Yeah, so we have our Instagram and Twitter. The Twitter's not very active at all, but the Instagram's low-key popping. We're making improvements along the way. And uh, yeah, that's at Black Box Podcast uh, with no A. Yeah, no A in the black, right? (laughs) I'm trying to be like you. But yeah, really just having a good time doing this, seeing that the numbers grow and more people like it and people ask me about it and we're finding these interviews and, you know, connecting with people and stuff and it's super cool and we hope to continue to do that, right? Yeah. And uh, I guess we'll uh, leave it with that. Uh, See you next week. All right. Peace.